This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Well, praise the Lord. I, like I said, I'm glad to see you. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit for a number of months tonight, and we just keep adding to the, the, the things the Holy Spirit does for every one of us. And, you know, in Zechariah 4, 6, the, the, the prophet Zechariah said, it's not by might nor by power, but it's by the Holy Spirit. And you see Jesus himself in, in Acts 1, verse 4, he commanded the, the uh, apostles, he said, don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father. Well, the promise of the Father was with the Holy Spirit. And in Acts 1, 8, he said, when, the, when you receive the Holy Spirit, that, that you will receive power. You'll be endued with power on high. And so every one of us in this room need power. Power to be witnesses. Power to live this life. And so it's by the Holy Spirit. Now, we got here last week, and I got going real fast. So go with me to book of Romans, chapter number 8. Romans 8, and this is where we'll begin tonight. And this, this whole passage in Romans 8 is just packed with things about the Holy Spirit. And so... Once again, I encourage you, be biblical. Let the Bible teach me about the Holy Spirit, okay? Just listen to the words that Jesus said, and it'll, it'll literally revolutionize your life. Verse 12, therefore, brethren, fellow believers, Christians, me and you, we are debtors not to the flesh. We are not obligated in any way to the flesh To live according to the flesh. Now, the Apostle Paul here, he he doesn't specifically say this, but the implication, once again, is that we are to live by the Spirit right here. We are to to look to Him and allow Him to move in our life where I'm not dominated by my flesh. Now, I don't have to have poll anybody in here, but... If I ask for hands, how many of you have ever been dominated by your flesh in an area, it would be unanimous. I mean, we may say it right now. How many of you dominated an area by your flesh right now? And you would probably, yeah, that's me. And that's okay to identify that. But right here, he's, he's encouraging us with some things with the Holy Spirit. Verse number 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die or live a death-like existence. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now, Paul right here, he lays out two directions of life. And he shows the ultimate consequences of both of them. Number one, if you live by the flesh, death. If you live by the Spirit, life. And what he goes on to tell me and you right here is that it's very uncharacteristic for a a believer, a brethren, a saint... To live by the, the, the dictates of the flesh. And so he tells me and you right here, as human beings, as believers, we get to choose. You get to choose which avenue of this you want to go on. You can be dominated by the flesh. You can live by the flesh, but you don't have to. Now, when I look at what he's telling us here... There in the last part, he gives me and you a great, great insight. Look at the last part of verse 13. It says, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. If by the Spirit. 
Now, there's nothing indicated in that scripture that there's any other way for me to put to death the deeds of my flesh except by the Holy Spirit. Now, oftentimes as human beings, we think we can do that. How many of you have ever been there? I've been there. Where I thought, I'm going I'm to whip it. I'm going to whip it. That's not going to dominate me no more. I'm going to whip it. And it's like I said last week, if you're really good, you last about a day. And you realize, I can't do this. And so, pay close attention to this verse. He said, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. He does not indicate there that the Holy Spirit is going to come into your life and just mysteriously cause your flesh to, to, to vanish. It's just going to go away. Now, I will tell you this. On, on certain situations, I've been seeing people set free just like that. Most occasions, it happens just like this. The Holy Spirit will empower you. The Holy Spirit will aid you. Remember, one of the definitions of the Holy Spirit is the helper. He will help you. He will strengthen you. And so it looks just like this. When you have areas of your life where the flesh is dominated, you begin to say, Holy Spirit, I welcome your help today. I welcome your assistance today. I welcome your, your impartations in my heart today. And when I start looking to the Holy Spirit to help me get set free, He'll help you. He'll move. And so just think about this right here, what we just read. Are there areas in your life that you need to put your flesh to death? Get rid of that junk. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Now, keep reading verse 14. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And, and when he talks about this, therefore being led by the Spirit of God, it involves progressively putting to death the deeds of the body, the deeds of the flesh. Progressively. So those who are led by the Spirit of God, he, he, you're, you're the sons of God. So what ends up happening to you is to be led by the Spirit of God. He'll begin to help you. He'll begin to prompt you. He'll begin to prick your heart. He'll begin to help you to get control in areas of your life. And let me give you an illustration of that. If I'm led by the Spirit of God, if I've had difficulties in the area of lying, and I tell the Holy Spirit, I've got to help you. And so you go before a person and you realize, I got to lie, I got to lie. And you're getting ready to tell the lie. And all of a sudden, when I'm led by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God will rise up in my heart and he will begin to prick my heart. And you'll begin to get the sense, I can't do that, I'm not going to lie. Now at that minute, I either obey my flesh or obey the Holy Spirit. What happens if I obey my flesh, Pastor? Well, I repent of it and say, Holy Spirit, I don't want to do those things. I don't want to grieve you. I want, to, I want your help. And so it's just progressively and continually asking the Holy Spirit, work in me. Work in me, Holy Spirit. Work in me. And those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Keep reading. Verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. You didn't receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Now, when I look at that verse, he's telling me that once I get born again, I don't want to go back to that spirit of bondage that used to dominate me. He said, don't go back there again. You don't have to. It's almost like the Lord's telling us here, you changed addresses. You got a new Lord in your life. 
You don't have to be dominated by your flesh anymore. So he goes on to say to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now, last week we defined Abba, Father, and in the Hebrew, the, the word Abba there is the most intimate form of father or daddy you can have. And so right here, instead of dropping back into that old way, I begin to cry out, Abba, Father. Help me, Father God. My identity now is in you, Lord. My identity is no longer in my flesh. That's not who I am anymore. Verse 16. The Spirit Himself, the Holy Spirit Himself, He bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. And so what the Holy Spirit will begin to do, he'll rise up on the inside and he'll say, you're a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. But I love the part that he says he bears witness with my spirit. And so that tells me how he's going to move. He's going to begin to move in your heart. Okay? He will bear witness with your heart. Again, it's just getting where you get in the presence of God and you begin to listen to the Holy Spirit and He'll direct you like that. Now, if you were here early when we started this series months ago, I said oftentimes when the Holy Spirit leads people by their heart, He joins with our spirits. It's very similar to a, a red light, green light. That when you ask the Holy Spirit to help you, if it's a go, you'll get a peace. You'll get a green light in your heart. You'll get a, a knowing that's just, just really sweet. You just know it's him. But if you ever get a red light, it's almost like there's a yuck on the inside of you. And that yuck is a warning. Say, don't do it. Don't do it. Now, what happens if I do do it? Well, it's kind of like running a red light in the natural. You're going to get a ticket. It's going to cost you a little. Doesn't mean life's over. You know what? If you ever run a spiritual light, just repent of it. God will keep moving. It's the same as training up a child. Think about this with a little child. Once they start walking and they, they fall down and they get up and they fall down and they get up, you don't look and say, crud, they're never going to walk. You know it's a part of training and so it's the same with us with the Spirit of God. Now in, in my life, and I'll tell you this through, you've probably heard me say this before, but years ago, we were in a process of buying a house. And, and the realtor was a, she was a born again Christian, great friend of ours. And we, we went to this house and Shelly fell in love with it. And it was beautiful, beautiful. Everything about it, I could afford it too, which is a big deal. You need to be able to afford things, okay? And so I could afford it. And so we went in there. Well, we went back several times. Well, one of the next times we went back, I was in the back room. And just as if I was talking with Pastor Daniel here, it, it was very clear. It was like I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, don't buy that house. And I, I, I was like, oh, oh, okay. And so we left that day and we came back a few weeks later and the realtor, she had all these papers out and she said, I think we all just need to make an offer today and buy it. And I'm like, oh, no, oh, no. And so here's what's going on. There's a tug of war. I don't want to disappoint my wife, but I don't want to disobey God either. And you know what I find out? I would rather obey God and disappoint my wife because my wife will get over it. She'll love me still. So I go strolling out there when they said, what do you want to offer? And I said, I'm not offering nothing. I said, actually, I'm not buying this house. 
And they turned around and looked, and I threw up my hands. I remember right there in that living room, I said, listen to Shelly. I said, I'm not against buying you a house. It's just I'm not buying this one. And I said, I do not get a peace at all in my heart. Remember, the Holy Spirit will bear witness with our spirits. He will move in that area. About a year later, we didn't buy that house. Thank the Lord. They tell us that that house was built on a lot of uh, dirt and the foundation settled. Literally, there were six-inch gaps in the, in the slab. And I looked and I thought, whoo, it pays to be led by the Spirit of God. He makes you look like a genius. Everybody thinks, I know where you graduated from. You're not the sharpest tool in the shed. Oh, thank God for the Holy Spirit. And so... He will bear witness with you. And, and guys, I'm telling you this when you look at this is every area of my life. That when you go begin to do that, whether it's buying a house, whether it's something that you're going to have your children do, ask the Holy Spirit and I'll tell you. I mean, there's, there's every area of my life right now, I will ask the Holy Spirit, okay, okay. And, and most of the time now when me and Shelly are, are going to do something, she'll ask me and she'll say, you talked to the Holy Spirit about that? And I'll say, I did. I did. I did. And I'll say the same thing to her because we want the input. So once again, he's just telling me right here. Verse, verse 17. And if children, then heirs. If I'm an heir, I'm an heir to something. And he said, if children, heirs, and heirs of God, join heirs with Christ. And so what happens when we get born again We've got to find out what we're heirs of through Christ Jesus. So think about it in this sense. I left this family, that old family, that old way of life, and I became a part of a new family. And one of the things the Holy Spirit does, he shows me what I'm an heir of. He begins to lead me in those directions. And then he goes on to say this. If indeed we suffer with him, that we also may be glorified together. Now, another translation says that if I share in his glory, I'll share in his suffering. What's that all about? Well, when I look at this right here, many people will begin to say, well, I've never experienced the things of the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm not going to give you a five-step process tonight. All I'm going to tell you, if you go back and you study verse 12 through 17 right here, the whole passage is about the Holy Spirit. The only way I ever get to know anybody is to be intimate with them, to spend time with them, to fellowship with them. That's the same way with the Holy Spirit. Now, when he says here that we're going to suffer with him, this is foreign to most of us in America. You don't need the Holy Spirit if, if in your life you're so comfortable that you don't need a comforter. You don't need the Holy Spirit in your life To be your helper if you don't need any help. You don't need the Holy Spirit in your life if you're so strong with all the things of of life in this life that you don't need a strengthener. See, every one of the things I just mentioned, a helper, a comforter, and a strengthener, every one of those are names for the Holy Spirit. I will tell you this with all my heart, I believe the day will come when you're going to need a helper. You're going to need a strengthener. You're going to need a comfort because the day will come that if you're going to live for Jesus, you're going to suffer. Who got quiet here? 
That last part of that verse where it says, if indeed we suffer, if you'll look on that verse, it cross-references to Philippians 1. Go there. Turn to your right just a little bit, and let's see what that says. Actually, it goes to Philippians chapter 1, verse 29. Now, once I get there, I'm going to read, so you've got to move fast. Philippians 1, 29, it says... For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Now, you can look at the Apostle Paul. We, we can go into the book of Acts chapter 9. And Jesus said to the man Ananias about the Apostle Paul, he said, I'm going to show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. So what happens when I begin to suffer for being a believer? If I don't have the Holy Spirit, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to quit. I'm going to run. I'm going to say, I don't want a part of that. How many of you have suffered at all lately for the name of Jesus? <laughs> well, if you hadn't, you will before long. Now, when I read this right here, this cross-references to 2 Timothy 3. Just keep going to your right and go with me to 2 Timothy 3. See, the Apostle Paul, guys... He, didn't consi- uh, he considered a, a privilege to suffer for Jesus, but he didn't look to suffer. He considered, a, if, it, if I have to suffer for the name, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to do it. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Listen to this one. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. You know who will keep you rooted to the things of God? The Holy Spirit. You know, for 18 years of my life, I I lived in a very, very secular work environment. And every day I'd go there. I was the only Christian in that place. And there were days, man, it was brutal. Many, Many of you probably know what I'm talking about right now. And when you'd go in there and tell those guys good morning, they'd shoot you the finger. That's how they told you good morning. They would use the Lord's name in vain. They would do just crazy stuff. But I thank God for the Holy Spirit. That he just says, hold tight. Hold tight to the things of God. I'm going to give you strength to get through this. I'm going to begin to help you. And so just in this verse right there, he says, listen. Those who live godly in Christ, you will suffer persecution. So when I look at all the things that he talked about here as far as as a believer. I've got to have the Holy Spirit, guys. You've got to have the Holy Spirit in this time. Now, in saying that, look with me in the book of Mark chapter 1. And I, I want to show you some things here about Jesus to go ahead and seal some of this in your heart as far as the Holy Spirit. Mark chapter number 1. And then after that, we're going to go to John uh, uh, 14. Mark chapter 1. Listen to this in verse 35. Mark 1, 35. Now, in the morning... Having risen a long while before daylight, Jesus went out and departed to a solitary or deserted place, and there he prayed. Jesus didn't get up real early in the morning to go pray because he didn't have nothing else to do. He didn't go there early in the morning because he was bored. There wasn't anything on TV. No. Jesus himself knew i got to take time to get in the presence of God. i got to take time to get around the Holy Spirit. The same as, as me and you did. 
Why did Jesus have to do that? Well, look at verse 32, 3, and 34, and it'll show you. At evening when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Then Jesus healed many who were sick with various diseases. And he cast out many demons. And he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. So the very next morning, Jesus gets up early. You know why? He had to, to, to unplug from the things of the world. He had to get into a place where he had conversation with the Lord and to get rid of all distractions. See, it said us as human beings, we leak. We leak. The very things that are in us, they don't stay in us forever. I've got to keep replenishing myself. And we understand that physically, that every one of us, we eat every day. We rehydrate every day. We sleep every day. You know what? Because our physical man's just got to recharge. Well, it's the same spiritually. That if I don't take time to get into the presence of God, And if I don't take time to hear the Lord and to be filled with the Holy Spirit again and again and again and again, then I lose things. I lose my edge. And this is what Jesus himself, I think, was trying to get across of us. i got to hang out with the Holy Spirit. i got to get around him on a daily basis. Fill me back up, Lord. Fill me full of all that you are. Now let's go to John 14, and this is probably what we'll end with. John 14. Just all the distractions in your life. You know, I'd highly advise you this. Anytime you go meet with Jesus or meet with the Holy Spirit, and you get in the Word or you pray, don't take your cell phone, okay? Well, Pastor, i got to have that thing. Shoot, I was alive when we didn't have them. I remember when there was just a landmine. Some of you say, what's a landmine? <laughs> what is that? I'm going to tell you guys, we survived back then before we had them. And, and I look at it in this sense. If, if you knew the president or someone with great honor was going to be in here tonight... You would turn that phone off. But yet when we go to meet the the God of the universe. And so it's just another distraction. And I think in our society we've gotten so used to, to things having to be loud. And everything to be moving that we never take time. And I'm talking to myself. I don't take time. Man, how many of you when you're doing the dishes you got to have the radio on. Or you got to have a TV on. You say I don't do dishes. Well then whatever else you do. I do the dishes at my house. But even in those sense, unplug from the things of the world. Take time to say, Lord, I want to come into your presence. I want to hear you. John chapter 14 now. Start in verse 12. And this will tie a lot of the stuff we've talked about tonight together. This is my commandment. John 14, verse 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, that's how you get born again, and the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. 
Now, I can't downplay that. Oh, that's Jesus' words. If you've ever read that before, I've looked at that, and I thought, why Jesus say that? Does Jesus not know who, who he's dealing with here? We're going to do the things that he did? Yeah. Verse 13. And whatever you ask in my name, in the name of Jesus, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. So you know what he gets over here now? He gets over onto my prayer life and your prayer life. That he challenges us and says, use the name of Jesus and watch what I'll do. Verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. And so he's saying there, the, the, the proof of the pudding of a real believer is my devotion of obedience. See, it's one thing to say I'm a Christian. It's another thing to be a Christian. And so I look here in verse 12, 13, 14, 15. He gets over on the works we're to do. It's what he did. Yeah, right, Jesus. And you can pray in my name and I'll move. I'll, I'll get that stuff happen when you pray. Uh-huh. And then when it comes to obedience, if you love me, obey me. I struggle being obedient, Jesus. Now look at his very next statement or sentence in verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he will dwell with you and be in you. And so when he talks right here, and I can't downplay what Jesus just said, he said, I'm going to give you a helper. That word is also a reference as a comforter. I'm going to put the spirit of truth on the, on the inside of you. So everything that he talks about in verse 16 and 17 is affiliated with the Holy Spirit. So you know what Jesus just tells me? In order to do the things I've asked you to do, the works that I did, in the you'll do the same thing and greater. You got to have the helper. You got to have the Holy Spirit, guys. I'll never accomplish that without him. And then we get over, and, and you may say, Pastor, man, my prayer life is horrible. My prayer life is boring. My prayer life is never answered. Maybe you need the helper. Maybe you need the, the Holy Spirit to stir you up when you pray. See, there's a difference just prayer in, in the natural and prayer that's anointed of the Holy Spirit. And then when we get over to obeying, man, I'm not going to obey in my natural flesh. You know what my flesh wants? I want to sin, sinner sin. I, that's how I am in the natural. But yet when the Holy Spirit comes on the inside, you know what he says? Listen, buddy, I'm going to help you obey. And so God never intended for any of us to do any of those things without the Holy Spirit. But what happens to us as human beings, many times we look to people to fulfill only what the Holy Spirit can do. How many of us every day do we look to people in our life to make us happy? And my wife, she needs to rise up. How many of us, we, we fail at our jobs because 
We don't understand things that the Holy Spirit can do. How many times in our life do we, we rather pick up the phone and yak about all the things to other people and just still saying, Holy Spirit, you got to help me. you got to help me. you got to help me do those things. Let me tell you this, and this is just a little analogy that's jumping in me. For 23 years of my life, I, I riffed football. Over and over and over. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, football was just a game. Well, it's not a game if your job's on the line. <laughs> if we keep losing, I'm going to get fired. And so my, my last few years of reffing, actually before I started pastor, I, I was reviewed several times to become a Big 12 official. And so a lot of them thought, man, he's a really good official, but this is what I would do. I would say, Holy Spirit, you got to help me tonight. I don't want to make any mistakes. Now, some of you may not understand football, but I was the back judge. They'd put me about 40 yards off the line. So I would literally stand back there, and if I wanted to, I could have stood back there all night like this. Well, when I'd stand back there, I'd just talk to the Holy Spirit. The whole evening, I'd just be back there talking to the Holy Spirit, and stuff would happen, guys, and I, I kid you not. I would be in the perfect position where I could see things. And those guys that I riffed with for years, you know what they'd say? They'd say, it's almost like you knew the play before it happened. And I'd say, I did. It's the Holy Ghost. And so I use these analogies in everyday life that no matter what you're doing, he'll help you. He'll pull things off where you look. And, and even if you ever get around me, when you see me come up on Sunday mornings and Wednesday, if you ever get real close to me, you'll hear me say, right as I get about here, I say, Holy Spirit, you got to help me. you got to help me. Because if you don't help me, I'm going to make a mess of this. You guys will find out. It's only by the Spirit of God in him. And it's the same with you guys. And any area that I'm struggling in life, start inviting the Holy Spirit. I double-dog dare you. You know, as kids, we used to say, how many of you remember that? I mean, if anybody ever said to me, I double-dog dare you. It was on. I double-dog dare you. You can't do a flip off the high dive. I'll do a double for you. I double-dog dare you. Start hanging out with the Holy Spirit. And just be, begin to watch what He does in your life. And He'll begin to move. But I've got to search for Him. I've got to call out to Him. I've got to give Him permission. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.